Welcome back to the Auto Amateur Podcast. This is James. Once again, I'm really excited because I'm being joined by a guest this week, and that guest is Sarah Darkerman from LA Dismantler. You may have come across LA Dismantler if you've been in the market for used parts. Sarah's been in that business for over 20 years. Her and her late husband started the business about 23 years ago, and they have all sorts of parts from all sorts of Porsches. Millions of parts is what Sarah says, and I well believe her. From the youngest generations to the oldest generations, if you need a part, Sarah probably has it. In fact, a number of Sarah's parts are sitting in my project car, my 996 project car right now. And that's how I came across Sarah originally. Beyond that, Sarah's got a great social media presence. She is at LA Dismantler on Instagram. She's also started a number of other profiles, not just on Instagram, but on Facebook and other platforms. You can find her and her friends collaborating with Porsche Women Global, Porsche People Global, and Porsche Parts Worldwide. Having come across Sarah about a year ago, We've had lots of conversations over the past year, not just about Project 996, but about her kids and my kids and life. She's a wonderful person. I, If you haven't come across Sarah before, I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode. She may be even the queen of Portia, but we'll come to that as we get into the episode. So let's get Sarah on the line and let's get into this. Hey, Sarah, it's James. Are you there? Hello. Hey, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I am great, thank you. It's really nice to speak to you. Thanks so much for being willing to uh, come on my podcast. Of course. Well, I'm closing up my doors so that my kids don't come in and interrupt me. Give me a second. Okay. Oh, I've done the same thing. They're currently sat locked in my car in the garage with iPads. Well, not really, <laughs> but basically... You know how many times I've made my car into my office, like more more times than I want to admit. Like I, I'm, I, I have a, an ADD brain, and so if I'm not sit sitting in like one spot, hyper focused, I'm like every bouncy ball has got my attention. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, and I, I know what that's like. Not not so much that I would say I'm a sort of ADD person, but. Uh, it's very easy to distract me. Certainly if I'm trying really hard to concentrate on something, I, I almost feel like the harder I try and concentrate on things, the more the I'm aware. Yeah, right. The more aware of things in my periphery. Uh, yeah. Fun and games. Uh, how old are your children, if you don't mind me asking? I've got four. So the youngest just turned nine and the oldest is 17 and a half. Got you. So you've got like the full kind of childhood spectrum in front of you, almost pretty much. <laughs> Two teens and, and two elementary. They're kind of like my two my two pairs. I call them my my bigs and my littles. Got you. And so, is have you got to the stage now where the bigs can sort of act as au pairs for the for the for the littles? Are they taking some of the load off you? If they were au pairs, they they would be paid and they'd be from another country. So no, they're just babysitters. <laughs> well, babysitters. Okay, fine. <laughs> You're trying to fancy it up. Well, you know, hey, I've got the accent. I'm going to try and fancy it up as much as I can. My accent takes me a long way. I'm I'm a Euro mutt. I'm I'm too far removed to to pull that card. Very good. My heritage is from the Stuttgart area. No way. So I always joke that it's it's like it's full. I'm not all of it, but part of it. So yeah, it's funny that um, it's kind of full circle, you know, because I didn't, these are the things that I didn't ever really equate until I probably started talking about myself Mm -hmm. and describing who I am and realizing like, 
when I, so when I was a teenager, I was, I think I was 16. My parents took us to Europe and yeah. we went over because my dad had done all this genealogy, genealogical research. And so he had tracked down to the church where, you know, the people were born in his family several generations yeah. ago. And he wanted to go all through Germany. And my sister and I went off to Amsterdam. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we had a little more fun than they did. Cause yeah, I would have been like, Oh, look, here's the name on the cross outside in the graveyard. And I'm like, eh, falling asleep. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> that's so funny. Well, it, it's it's just amazing how things like that work. You know, you just, and, and actually, the more you start to talk about yourself, the more you learn about yourself in some sort of strange ways. And then, like you just were sort of explaining there. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Maybe some kind of cognitive therapy. I mean, and you start connecting the dots. I don't know. But that that's fantastic. Um, Even my, that... my Porsche history, like my, my whole life, I was equating it to meeting my late husband when I was 20. And my dad had gotten a Porsche when I was 10. And I, and I, I never really was giving him enough credit for that, you know? And again, it wasn't yeah. until I started describing it going, wait a minute, you know, that's really when it started. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's just awesome. I mean, I, I, I liked Porsches when I was a kid and, um, you know, and then, of course, I saw them in the movies. Uh, but it, it wasn't until, honestly, it wasn't until the point where I was able to consider buying one that I got, you know, completely over the top, head over heels in love with them. And, and now it's all I can talk about and dream about. And my wife thinks um, occasionally she'll crazy. be like, are you looking at, yeah, when I'm staring at my phone instead of watching the TV, she's like, honey, are you looking at porn? I'm like, of course I'm not. Of course I'm not. And she's like, no, car porn. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I am totally. <laughs> Client in Malaysia, and it, the company is called Carporn Malaysia. Well, it's not. Oh, I mean, hilarious! Carporn, actually, yes, it, oh, and it's cool. a very interesting story. I don't know if you've ever heard of Angie Mead King, who used no. to be Ian King, and Ian King was a he, and now Angie Mead King is a she with an enormous following. Okay. Um, she's invested in so many different things. She does RWB builds, you know, um, commissions them, and very, yep. very connected. Comes out to LA quite often. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, but the car porn I always thought was a great name. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. My friend is a com in a completely different space. She's she's starting a ministry, and she had told me I was trying to help her because she wasn't really very familiar with with thing. And I'm not very big into um, religion, but mm -hmm. I was helping her hashtag and put some posts up. And she's like, "You can't use hashtag Gog," and I'm like, "Why?" And she's like, "That's shadow banned," and and I'm like, "Where's the list of shadow bands? Like, how do I know if I'm not using a Porsche shadow band?" you know yeah. hashtag you know uh, it's i I'm, i have curiosities about that because i haven't had anything taken down for that i've had a couple copyright um, yeah tags taken down where i put that originally at, at the start of coronavirus i had a whole nether account with many thousands of followers and i had a, a porsche mask you know obviously mm -hmm. the chinese knockoffs were making them i just thought it was funny i wasn't trying to sell them i wasn't trying to capitalize yeah. i just this is before anyone made customized masks yeah. So, um, yeah, they took me down for copyright. <laughs> I like, took my oh, whole dear. account down. I was like, "Dang, <laughs> okay then." Yeah, I've had the um, I've had the Porsche lawyers onto me um, way when I first started my my online store. I used the silhouette of the 911 on a T-shirt, and uh, they're like, yeah, "I'm sorry, you just can't do that." So I, I was very kind, and they gave me 28 days to take it down, and I did straight away. And they were very nice and friendly, but yeah, thankfully they didn't, um, you know, manage to eject me from the internet. I think that would have been game over. It would have been pretty sad if that had happened. Well, so they, I, they I've got sued a... me. 
when my when my Nat Geo show came out. So I I know the fierceness oh. of of yeah, and they have more money than me, so I had to succumb. I had to change my company name, my phone yeah. number, my um my website address. Yeah, it's it's okay. Then you make friends, and then they know who you are. Yeah, Noel. Yeah, of course. So I, I'm like super excited to have you on my podcast for a number of reasons. Aww. I mean, one, you and I have spoken several times before, and you're so nice. I, I, it's re- it's always <laughs> nice talking with you, and and it, it kind of feels kid. like. Well, no, I'm not going to be your kid. Um, it's just <laughs> it it you know we I just we click, and I I really enjoy talking to you about cars and life and and all that sort of stuff. And I feel like I've known you for a lot longer than I actually have. Um, but before I before I met you and knew who you were, I knew about LA Dismantler. And um, I think there are people who are going to be listening to this podcast that probably, you know, know who you are already. Um, Some people who don't, but they've heard of LA Dismantler. And then when we start talking about the other things that you do in the Porsche world, all of these dots are going to come together, kind of like we were just talking about explaining, you know, our lives and therapy. Maybe this session can be therapeutic for some of the viewers who can now start connecting those dots and know, ah, that's Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) so like where do we start you're a lady with so many different things going on I mean first off do you ever get any sleep I I mean that's just maybe a silly question but you do so much uh sleep that is um yeah that that, I always joke that I say you know I'll sleep when I'm dead (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) pretend I'm a vampire I have very erratic sleep schedules and I just kind of, I mean, I try to sleep at night and I, I go to bed very easily. I just don't stay asleep for very long. So okay. if I have a night of five hours, I'm kind of a happy camper. Um, nice. But yeah, I'm usually kind of up and down. And then now my lullaby is, is YouTube. I'll watch some, I'll stay <laughs> at, at the news on YouTube to fall asleep too. Hey, whatever works. Whatever yeah, works. Yeah. And then I, I, sometimes I nap during the day. I mean, that's, the beauty of, of, I guess, I would say of, of being me, that I get to set my own schedule. So since yeah. I work around the clock, I don't feel guilty when I take a nap in the middle of the day. You know, sometimes it could be 10 minutes, sometimes it could be two hours. Like whatever my yeah. body says I need, yeah. I let it have. So that's well, how I it's get important. by. That's great. And it is important to listen to yourself. And um, at the same time, though, if I listened to everything I told myself, I would own about 20 Porsches right now and be bankrupt. So <laughs> <laughs> there, there are limits to what you need to listen to, I guess. Um, but <laughs> But, but yeah, I mean, in fact, you, you you told me how you go to sleep. I'm going to have to share this now. The only person who knows how I get to sleep is my, my son, Luke, um, because he helped me create my playlist on my iPhone one day. And it's it's pretty sad. I have a Sarah Bareilles song, which then goes into two songs from Frozen, which my son chose for me. Yeah, totally. And uh, maybe one was from Frozen and one was from Frozen 2. And then I have a, I have Whitney Houston. There are a couple of Whitney Houston tracks. And then I think there's the Battlestar Galactica theme song. That's <laughs> Something a, random. a lot. Wow. It's pretty eclectic. But usually I don't make it past the first Frozen song. You know, it's like let it go, let it go, and then I'm fast asleep snoring. <laughs> well, that's the perfect thing to say is let it go. And it's exactly. probably almost, it's become hypnotic for you because then your brain is trained when this song starts, this is this is my time to be out, you know. That, so. That's right, that's right. And what's funny is that when we're in the car, if any of those songs come on, I feel like I have to turn them off because I don't want to jinx my it's bedtime gonna playlist. It's going to make you drowsy, yeah. Or that. Well, actually, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I don't want to fall asleep at the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want to jinx the song. 
<laughs> so, Sarah, LA Dismantler Sarah, you've got a lot of different handles. You've got a lot of different irons in the fire. Um, let's let's just start with your story, if you don't mind. And I appreciate, and because I've seen you on other you know social media forums, you've probably talked about this to death, but. Um, I'd love to hear it. You, you've been in the business 20 years. You you own and, and operate LA Dismantler. You've got all of these different irons in the fire. Let's, uh, my, I'm sure myself and my viewers would love to know more about you. Okay. Let's, let's just start with LA Dismantler. So LA Dismantler started because my late husband, uh, he was in the Honda and Acura salvage business already with his family. Uh-huh. And... They had been running since the 80s. They well, they, they did quite a few other things even before that. He was Armenian from Syria, and they had yeah. done Mercedes-Benz trucks in Syria. They had a government contract. Then they came to the United States because they realized that the Middle East was just not doing as well, and, and they needed to get out. Uh-huh. So they came into uh, body shops and lots of different kind of automotive spaces, and then they opened a company called Chaos Auto Parts. And if you're a local Honda and Acura person, you would have known that that company. I mean, everybody went there from all of the the Honda, you know, the Japanese racers and all those guys. Yeah. That was a staple for a really long time. Yeah. So he had been doing that for quite a while. And uh, it's it's kind of a long story how I met him, but I'll just make it short. So, you know, I, I went on a, a day with him because I needed a part for my, <laughs> my NSX, actually. <laughs> and, really? <laughs> I show up to the gas station. He's in this convertible turbo, this this Porsche. And I'm just like, oh, God, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> so we started dating from our 20s. And then around probably mid-20s, I was noticing that there was, you know, just the family had had some maybe trouble working together. You know, they've been working together mm-hmm. for a long time. And Porsche was his a hobbyist since he was a, a kid, really. So I think... I don't know if it was before he came to the United States, but definitely since he was here, he had a Porsche before he even had a driver's license. Yeah. And he wanted to buy Porsches to kind of, you know, supply his own habit. Because as you know, when you buy a Porsche, there's going to be eventual problems down the road, just like everything. So right. what happened was, um, you know, he, he I think it was an engine that had failed, maybe even some other parts before that, but he had some trouble with his car. So he decided to buy a Porsche from the salvage yard because he was already buying Honda Acuras. And then he started breaking that apart. And then he would kind of sell off the pieces that he didn't need. So yeah. that was, that was you know, it, it, it's kind of like a drug dealer, you know, supplying your own supply. <laughs> <laughs> and then he kept kind of doing one after another after another. But it was really just more hobby related. It wasn't anything bigger than that. And we didn't have the internet then. We didn't have eBay. So his phone would would be a constant source of people sourcing parts. And he wasn't really a company then. So then by the time we were in probably our more like late 20s, I'd gone back to Pepperdine to finish school. And mm-hmm. I had to pick a field to study. And so that field ended up being, I said, I'm going to pick the salvage industry because I thought I was very curious about what he was doing with his brothers. And I'd already been in corporate life and doing all kinds of other projects. I was in the diamond yeah. business. Um, so it, in that kind of discussion, and again, with his family just starting to have some issues working together, you know, I don't even remember, I don't know how the conversation started, but I, I had suggested, I said, you know, what if we do this Porsche thing? And it was kind of just a natural flow. It wasn't like one day you, know, you start. You, I went to the, his office and I started answering his phone because his phone would ring constantly and he would ignore it because he was so busy with his other business. And oh, he said, wow. that's money calling. You've got to answer the phone. And he wasn't. <laughs> and so I started answering it. 
And I mean, if I really got into the weeds of the story, so here you have a Middle Eastern dad, his father, and this woman is coming in to help with his son's, you know, hobby business that didn't yeah. fly. So his yeah. dad was like, no women in here. <laughs> <laughs> right. And feisty me, I said, fine. So I transferred his phone to our house because we had purchased a house around that time. And I was studying and I was in a night program for Pepperdine. So that was kind of how it started. I was literally in my pajamas answering the phone and I would take in all of the requests that he had. And then I would connect with him and get all the answers and call these people back and figure out, yeah. you know, and that in between him running his Honda and Acura business, he was shipping out Porsche parts and he was kind of sharing the yard. And then it got to the point where we said, let's get our own place and really do this. So yeah. one of our first employees was this um, a, kind of a cousin of his who was uh, had, knew a lot about Porsches, but at the time was taking apart Land Rovers down the street. And he was our first person. Then I think his cousin was our second person helping me with like the bookkeeping. I was really the salesperson with Todd, uh, okay. which is so not my forte. You know, you just, you get another employee, another employee. And then eventually we outgrew that shop. You know, the, that was our first place. And yeah. we thought, oh, we'd never need more than that. It was a tiny little place. And then we got the current shop that we're in and eventually we outgrew that one and then we got another yard we got another yard and just kind of kept adding to our our little growing empire i guess and you know employees have come and gone during that time um but it was just yeah it was really a hobby turned into kind of a business profession and then it just kept kind of growing so you know over the years ebay had started i pushed yeah. on to ebay and that was okay. when ebay was that opened you up to the world yeah. so you go from having a more local market in the United States to, you know, first, let's say California people that know them locally. And then, you know, yeah. you're connected to shops and so forth. Sure. And then you go global. And then you've got people from all around the world, from Europe and South America and Australia calling in. And it's just, it, it, it was kind right. of mind blowing that everything synced at once. And eBay was so much easier to work with back then. You list it, they take a little, you know, a couple pennies oh, here yeah. and there. No, right. Yeah. <laughs> And now it's this big conglomerate that is not really as friendly to sellers it is, is, as it is to buyers. So yeah, but that, it yeah. is what it is. You know, you, yeah. everything grows and develops into its own kind of beast. It, it sounds like you've gone through, you know, there is a little bit things with things with like, you know, digital business and eBay and so on. Um, for a lot of companies, there was a sort of like a luck factor involved. You're in the right place at the right time. And, and that may have been part of your success. But it sounds like it was born from a hell of a lot of hard work and fun and dedication and hard work and fun and dedication leading up to that point. Um, and, and they say, you know, the most successful people are people that follow their passions and their jobs are only jobs because they're getting paid, but they're actually doing things that they enjoy. And so going from a hobby and then turning that into a profession, that that sounds fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's it's a, a nice story. way. So, it, they, you know, you say that if you, if you pick a profession where you love what you do, then you don't really feel like you're working. And right. it's not that it's not work. It's just that you don't mind it. So, yeah, you know, ev everything is, is an evolution and you know, there's, there's been some amazing things that have happened. There's some, been some tough things that have happened, you know, over the years, you yeah. know, and it's just, it's sure. harder having a business and there's a beauty to having your own business, but then there's also a lot of pressure because you're having your own, yeah. you're responsible for everything. And yeah, you can't control every detail. You know, you do your best to try to get the best people because that's what any company is made up of. It's people. 
Yeah. And yeah. you know, we've been we've been blessed and unblessed with, you know, characters that we've acquired along the way. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. And and but again, we're not only talking about the LA dismantler business because you have so much other things going on in your life. Um let let's talk about your social media platform. I see you out with people driving Porsches most weekends. Um I'd love also to hear about your affiliation and association with um uh Porsche Women Global. And uh, I know there's also Porsche People Global and Porsche Parts Worldwide, you know, so many different threads. But Porsche Women Global, I'm especially interested in. Um, so outside of LA Dismantler, you're very active in the Porsche world. What does is, what is that like look like for folks? So we were not as active for many, many years. I'm a, I've been a PCA member for I don't probably as long as I've owned the company. I'm going to guess that I started that membership 25 years ago and we were part of one region that is a little further north than us because the los angeles region was not as active so we were in santa barbara for a long time because they really had accolades for being one of the best and los angeles had struggled with kind of the leadership for many many years so my late husband was um he he was he's been doing porsches his whole life six seven days a week and he really was not one that wanted to be out in the community and going on drives because it was just his language constantly every day. So we didn't really experience a lot of that. You know, we would go to banquets every now and then if if a friend invited us, but it wasn't really something that I tracked, you know, for moments I'd want to get invested, but it just really wasn't our thing. And then eventually we started sending our team of employees to go out to do events, you know, um, let's say works reunions at a million pebble and uh, Ren sport reunion and and California festival of speed were some of the bigger ones that we would go to. So that was almost the extent. And then when he passed four years ago, it was this thing where I was behind the scenes. Nobody knew who I was. And I, I always liked it that way. I was very, <laughs> I, 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 I call it my first child, our company. So I really invested a lot of time and energy at the start. And then as I had four children, they really needed a lot of my time and attention. And so I'd stepped yeah. back to raise them. I was heavily invested in their, in their upbringing I was uh, incoming PTA uh, president. I was the Girl Scout leader for three troops. I was book leader. I was soccer mom. I was, I coordinated everything. Like anything they wanted to be in, I was the one who was like, let's get everybody. I've always been a very community oriented person. Yeah, and a multitasker, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, when he passed, um, I mean, I obviously had a pause to to grieve for him. And, but I also knew if I wanted to carry this, this company forward, I had to show people who I am and what I can do because, yeah. you know, there, it, it's, there was, there was a lot of people that were very supportive that already kind of knew me. And there were a lot of people that were the naysayers and are like, who's this girl? You know, what does she think she can do? And I remember somebody had written on a post once, Oh, if um, uh, Jeff Bezos wife, or if Jeff Bezos passed and his wife took over the company, that's what she would look like. And I was, at first I was really kind of dissed, like, wow, that they really don't think anything of me and they have no idea my history. And the other part was like, wow, they're equating me to Jeff Bezos. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I have to figure out how to take that as a compliment because otherwise I will get eaten alive by all the digs of people that just, you know, are, are I don't want to say ignorant. That's kind of a mean word, but just don't mm-hmm. understand, you know, what, what my position was. So yeah. besides the fact that even if I wasn't 100% invested in the company during the years of, of raising my children, I, I still discussed it with them every single day. I was still heavily involved behind the scenes, you know, coordinating yeah. things. So yeah. anyway, so I decided that I really needed to have a presence and it was um, kind of a fluid 
way that I did it. And it wasn't, I don't even know if I really intended to get this deep into it. So I opened up my profiles because I had been private accounts and I, I called myself a, a social media stalker. I, I always figured, what's the <laughs> point of this social media thing? It was such a time waste. And I was very, my accounts are very connected to my own community. Yeah. So I kind of took all of that away and I, I disconnected from my local community and I just started connecting with Porsche people. And, you know, with social media, if you don't know what you're doing, you make mistakes. So yeah. I started connecting with every guy that, you know, connected with me because I thought they were all Porsche people. Little <laughs> did I know. Now there's a lot of weirdo <laughs> stalkers out there. Um, so that was definitely a learning curve. And then I just, I just kind of started pic doing pictures of things that I liked and it wasn't mm -hmm. anything. I didn't have a plan. It was very kind of, I don't know, maybe grassroots um, yeah. things I found on the internet, things I was doing, kind of a, a real mishmash. And I started collecting kind of friends as I went along and then people would reach out to me and I would make connections that way. Yeah. And then I, I'm, I don't remember exactly when it happened, but so if, if I, so I'll, I'll fast forward. So now I started having these collections and I started making groups of people and really curating people. And then eventually we had, we were featured, there was a few women of us that were featured in Automobile Magazine. And it was all about, um, you know, women who have Porsches. I'm, I can't think of the exact title right now, but basically the feature was about specifically women and specifically Porsche owners. Yeah. And we were very fortunate to have this amazing bond. So we had gone to lunch uh, down at, at PECLA, which is the Porsche Experience Center. And Jen, who was the manager, had joined us at one point. And the, the entire lunch was really to celebrate the author, Eleanor, who had, had featured us in the article. It was to say thank you. Okay. It turned into a three and a half, four hour lunch of these amazing women from all different backgrounds. Some were in the business, some were not. Some were just Porsche yeah. owners slash lovers. Yeah. And it was so bonding. And I'm looking around this table going, this, these women are awesome. Like I, I'd never yeah. connected with Porsche women specifically. I'd been, you know, talking to men my whole life. And I always say I'm, I, I love hanging with boys, but yeah. there's just a difference between hanging with with women and realizing that there's other women out there just as crazy in love with Porsche as you are. Right. So from that, we had had a WhatsApp group, and you know, we I we the people were saying should we add people to this group? And and the the concept was, you know, what we really have created such a thing with just us because we had some very intimate stories that we shared that we all declared we would have um, yeah. we wouldn't be discussing outside of that group because people shared some very deep things so yeah. I said you know what I'm going to make another group and so what I did is I added everybody that wanted to be in the group from there and then I said here this is the group where you can start adding anybody you want and all of us kind of put people in there and then I started scouring the internet like then it became a hunt then I wanted to find every portion when I could <laughs> so that's fantastic I I searched every handle on Instagram I could find of Porsche woman, Porsche girl, yeah. Porsche lady, Porsche this, Porsche, and I would find all these. Like I, I didn't even know that they were out there. Yeah. And then I started searching Facebook, and then I started going in uh, on LinkedIn and kind of you know collecting them as I went along. So yeah, it, it's been a very interesting journey, and the the collection again of of that's what I call it. I don't know what else to say, but these women have have created so much on their own. I mean, I've got journalists that write, you know, my friend Jeannie, she is the, um, gotten the feature of Excellence Magazine the last two, um, wow. yeah, two issues coming out. We've got racers in there, people that are oh, champion racers. Uh, we've got uh, artists, Porsche artists. I'm trying to think, I mean, there, there's everything and there's tech, there's, there's women technicians that are in there that are yeah. awesome in their yeah. own right. Shop owners, 
um, you know, people in you the know, dealership sector, people that work, work at uh, Porsche North America or Porsche AG. And, you know, you're sort of, you're, you're touching on something there, which I think many people sort of ignore, which is that while social media is this fantastic gateway to a world out there that you may, may never have come across, it's very easy to get locked into little bubbles and not know that there are other bubbles out there that you may be interested in or, or may be relevant to you. And, and so you going and finding all of these women on Instagram, on Facebook, around the world that share that same passion you may never have come across before, that, that's one of the things I love about this sort of Porsche culture specifically and just sort of being engaged in it over the past sort of three, four, five years is that it continues to break the traditional stereotype of the Porsche owner that maybe was, maybe it was relevant in the 80s, maybe it was relevant in the 70s, but it's just not relevant anymore. The diversity that exists in the Porsche world is it continues to to to, um, to interest me and uh, and to fascinate me and and particularly the the sort of the women of Porsche the the the, the female voices in the Porsche world um, I, I I love finding out more and more so it, it's fantastic and and you you're growing this this huge base and this huge connection it just must enrich your life in many ways as well as you know for all of the other reasons why it's fantastic well it it, it has because. Not only do they love, uh, you know, the brand, and they're always so amazed by finding this other—I call it a tribe—this group of women that love the brand <laughs> as much as—and they're shocked because we have people from Croatia to Asia to Europe, yeah. uh, South America, again, everywhere around the world. And then I created all these subgroups. So I have an artist group, I have a racers group, I have a—not a, 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 a technicians group. I think I called it a service group. So anybody that's in the service sector. Yeah, as well as areas. And then I have a Los Angeles group and I have uh, whether it's, you know, a Florida group and then all over the world. And there's an Asian group and there's, uh, you know, all the different spots where I, I find that, you know, if there's two or three women together, I put them together because then they can share events. Yeah. And this all happened during the covid because it's only been less than a year that I that I created this group mm -hmm. and kind of and I didn't even know where it was heading. I literally just had an idea and I just kind of started to run with that ball. I didn't mean for it to be anything big and people are you know where's your merchandise where's that i'm like that wasn't even my plan from the start it was literally <laughs> right. just connecting some women who i thought would yeah. be cool and have yeah. them share their stories and so um now we got to the point where you know i because i created the los angeles because i didn't so it, I, I'm, here i am creating this global group which literally runs around the clock because there's there's a, a girlfriend of ours called Hani in Malaysia. She wakes up like, you know, we're going to bed and she's waking up. <laughs> she yeah. sends a good morning message every day. And <laughs> it's so cute to know that no matter what time of day it is, you've got friends that are available. You know, yeah. so me being a night owl, <laughs> I, could, I could talk all day. Yeah. Um, but be, so then when I created my Los Angeles group, even again, during COVID and some people you know, I, I don't want to get into the political nature, but there was a lot of things going on at the time and there's maskers yeah. and non-maskers and so forth. Yeah. I wanted to get these women in Los Angeles together. We had a holiday gathering and, you know, I'm not going to say I perfectly followed COVID rules, but some of these people had not been out of the house. Some of these people only came out to meet these other Porsche women that they'd met online because they thought it was such a special occasion. And yeah. the, the emotional connection that we had out of that experience was so awesome. I, I mean, it, it was just, it was so great. We went on a drive. We met at one place. We went on a drive. We met at another place. We, we had a gift exchange. Um, 
what they got out of it was so much better and nobody you know there was no ill things after no one got sick thank god we try to space ourselves as much as we can we try to wear masks as much as we can yeah but it was such a, a just an overwhelming experience to see all these women you know connecting and what i always say is that i it's not me who's the center of anything and any group that i'm a part of i really believe that the, the person that found it is just the person that founded it yeah my purpose is to connect i call myself a portia cupid what I want to do is, is now have all of these friends have new friends. So if they go into a group, they don't just have me as one friend. They don't have, just have the two people they sat next to. They now have 75, 100, 200 friends that anytime yeah. they go to an event, they're going to see people they know and they're going to feel comfortable yeah. because yeah. I'm really an introvert that looks like an extrovert. I can be very social and chatty and a Porsche butterfly. Um, but when it comes down to it, you know, I would say that when you, when you put yourself what I call on, I'm, I'm doing air quotes you can't see. <laughs> when I have to be on in a community, it's exhilarating while I'm doing it. But mm. when you leave that space, this is kind of what I consider to be the, the true sign of an introvert and extrovert. It either energizes so much that you carry that forward towards your day or it depletes you. And when I have to be yeah. on for a long period of time, it depletes me because I'm yeah. using all of my energy towards that. So, yeah. and I know that there are other introverts like myself so I want to, women have a tough time interacting in a space without knowing each other. So if yeah. I go to a Porsche event, I can go to, I can almost go into any group of guys and kind of stand there for two seconds and they'll pull me into the conversation. I'm also, you know, six feet tall when I have heels or <laughs> six feet, no heels <laughs> and six, five when I have heels. So I kind of stand out, but, um, but for women, if I go and stand next to a group of women, it, it, they're looking at me side like, what does she want? And I'm looking at them like, well, do they really want to talk to me? And there's this, there's this barrier that's hidden that I want to break down. So yeah, yeah. that was another purpose of mine to try to have women kind of stop that, that, um, that hesitation of being able to yeah. feel like they can go and speak to other women, because all you have to do in the Porsche community is go and ask anybody about their car. But I that's think we right. forget that. Yeah. So yeah. all the introverts in the world, I, I tell them, you just ask somebody about something they like and they'll talk to you for half an hour usually because it's a, yeah. it's a subject of common interest, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's anyway, so that, that was kind of how Porsche women started. And it's just, it's been a, and I turned it into uh, Porsche people global. I just started to rename all of the groups that I had and all of my mm -hmm. different platforms. So I think I'm, I think I'm probably on every platform. <laughs> I know. I thought maybe at some point you'll need to consolidate, but at the moment I just say, keep going, you know, you're in that sort of storming mode and, uh, you just, you know, keep keep using that energy to just keep pushing it forward. And then if you need to collapse it all into a single platform or at least just a single handle at some point, you can. But, uh, I mean, that's just absolutely fantastic. You know, it, it, it's interesting to me you talk about, um, you know, sort of introversion and extroversion because I, I've gone through various different phases of my life where I've been more one than the other. But, but generally speaking, I am an introverted person with extroverted tendencies. So you put me at a party, you put me in a crowd, I'm very friendly, I'm very personable, I'm very easy to talk to generally. Um, but unless you put me in that situation, I will usually choose a situation which just involves me on my own. <laughs> um and, uh, and and I get depleted quickly from from you know the whole sort of social experiment and and I need to go home and spend some time alone and when my kids go to bed at night um, you know I just I'm looking forward to that hour where I can just be on my own and sort of recharge my batteries but I, I've I found that auto amateur and the Porsche community has been almost therapy for me frankly because 
I put myself out there and whether it's on a podcast or a video or just connecting with people and sharing photos on Instagram, whatever it is, um, the, the, the very dynamic, collaborative, sort of interactive nature of this culture gets me out of my shell. And whether it's going to a cars and coffee or whether it's putting on a, you know, doing a video with a friend or doing a live chat or, you know, whatever it is, it it gets me out of my shell and just gives my life so much more flavor that I, I would miss out on otherwise because of my introverted tendencies. And even though I do come back from a cars and coffee event or a, you know, a, a meetup with the PCA folks on my Porsche and Pancakes crew in the Twin Cities, and I will need a couple of hours on my own to sort of recharge I love the fact that I'm having to recharge because I've just had all of that interaction with all of those different people. Yeah, I, like I, I live for my weekends because my le- my weekends literally, I, I lead drives almost every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Not always Friday, but like this past weekend, I was on the go from 7 a.m. until 8 p.m., car event after car event after car event. I mean, sometimes wow. in the middle, there was ebbs and flows of where it would be just, you know, six of us at a table eating lunch and then we'd go back to another event. Sure. I I live for that. And I was very drained and I did it all over again on Sunday morning. But I live for that. Like I I really it's just it's so much fun to connect with these people who I would have never met if it wasn't for the car space. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of, um, you know, sort of like a global audience, I heard about L.A. Dismantler through a friend of mine who at the time was in Australia and uh, his name is Michael Bath. You might know him if you follow the the Porsche Cool podcast. Well, Michael did a video and mentioned LA Dismantler and I got in touch with him and I was looking for parts for my 997 at the time and and I found LA Dismantler. And then Project 996 came along last year and um, I uh, managed to speak with you directly. And it's just incredible how all those little dots kind of connect themselves together. It, it, It just continues to blow my mind. And whether it's reading, seeing you in a magazine or coming across you on a social media platform, I didn't know you were on. <laughs> like, hey, there's Sarah. <laughs> it's you know, awesome. it, like the, my newest kind of almost obsession is Clubhouse, right? So Clubhouse is this mm-hmm. brand new app. I don't know if you're on there yet, but so they have uh, you know, Porsche people, obviously, and then there's Porsche groups on there. And yeah. I started one of my own. And so I go into these, these, I don't know if I'm going to know anybody. And again, it's, this is the introvert in me going this hesitation, like, how will they, will they, you know, what kind of picture, you know, what do you put for your profile picture? How do I, cause I want to look like I'm a Porsche person. I don't need to be in every, there's a hundred million conversations happening all at the same time on clubhouse. Yeah. And it was so wonderful. These, so people knew who I was and they pulled me in to moderate the group. And then we start talking and I, and I, you know, I'd say a little bit about who I am. And all these people from around the world are trying, oh my God, you're famous for this. I'm like, I'm just me. Like <laughs> I, I live in my little <laughs> bubble of, I'm just Sarah. I'm just, you know, a mom with a company, a Porsche yeah. company, obviously, but I don't think I'm any better or any worse than anybody. And, and, you know, people have all these kind of, you know, labels for me. And yeah. it's funny because I, I'm like, do I fit that? Am I that? I don't, I don't know. I mean, people have called me an influencer and this and that. I'm like, I'm <laughs> just a girl having Porsche fun. Like <laughs> I've been I, blessed to I think, have gone around the world. Yeah. I mean, literally from Dubai to all over Europe and experience these, um, these amazing events and opportunities. And so it's, it's just been a blessing to be able to kind of, you know, see everyone's face that they're in. And there's so many more events that I want to do, you know, and I want to see, and and COVID is just kind of tied everything down. I mean, COVID was, was a blessing in a sense that if I would have been traveling all over, I wouldn't have been able to really participate in as many platforms because sitting on planes and going to places. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
you you know you you come up with a number of titles, but surely you're the queen of Porsche. Hasn't anybody delivered your crown yet? Yes, I. I That that has to be it, right? I got my Porsche Queen title on this day called Hangover Run, which is a Los Angeles traditional event. So every every year on New Year's Day, there's a there's an event called Hangover Run, which is going I don't know thirty forty years it's been in the making, and Mm. my friend puts it on, and I had never heard of it. My other friend from Las Vegas, uh, Scott Mann, who runs uh, Renegade Hybrid came down here so my friend david teary unofficially doesn't run it <laughs> with, with a non-email that doesn't go out <laughs> yeah so the the concept is on hangover typically we have a huge new year's day parade in pasadena and all of the law enforcement is taken from the mountains and sent to pasadena to cover it so the mountain is pretty much unmonitored wide open so this very spirited group of Porsche guys has been getting together forever. And there are a few other uh, makes that come in there, but it's mostly, it's pre- you know predominantly Porsche. And my friend Scott's coming down and he, in Renegade Hybrids, he does this this thing, called, <laughs> he does an LS swap, which is sacrilegious oh, yeah. to some Porsche mm-hmm. people. I get it. Yeah. But he puts um, LS engines inside of, he, well, that day he had a boxer. He puts them in 911s, he puts them in whatever. But that day he had a boxer. So you have a very light mid-engine car with a, heavy engine mm-hmm. and he tells me about those events and he says do you want to drive with me or drive separate and i'm debating like well, i don't know and he says i'm going to become king of the mountain i said well gosh i, I want to become you know i want to be the queen <laughs> <laughs> and and i said but you can't kill me i have four kids to come home to because i because he and let me go back he's also um he was a professional driver he's been an instructor forever he's the de of our zone eight which is a three-state region of all of our pca uh, regions wow. So he's a very well uh, conducted driver, I guess I'll say. I never mind yeah. being a passenger if I know that I have an expert behind the wheel. So I trust him. So we go on this run, and yes, he passes in his little boxster with his LSNG, he passes every GT, every Ferrari, everything that is on there, and we hence become he's the king of the mountain, and I'm the Porsche queen. So perfect. That's it. Perfect. <laughs> and then I had someone else who told me. Well, you can't just be the Porsche queen. You have to be the empress. <laughs> and I'm like, gosh. I... <laughs> and I finally did get a crown. Um, oh, you did? You have a crown? Well, I was in, it's not my own. So I was in DRT uh, a couple, I guess about a month ago. And I met um, Flat Six. And he was, it was a friend of his, actually. His car was behind me. Um, so Flat Six Rebel has a very large following on Instagram. Yeah, great Instagram. Yes, great feed. And so a friend of his had a crown on his head. He was just literally sitting at the table eating. And I said, can I borrow your crown? (laughs) I took the (laughs) crown and I sat in front of Flax's car. And I still haven't even posted the pictures because that's another thing I'm terrible about. I go to all these events and I never really take the time to post up because then I'm always next planning my next event, my next weekend. And it takes a lot of coordination behind the scenes to do all these. So someday I will Porsche my or or post my my Porsche Queen photo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you got to but then my brain goes to i really i get a, i really should make a parts crown like that's really what i should be doing oh yeah 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 you could yeah i think you've just described what should be the cover for this podcast <laughs> you and a crown the funny thing is if if you give me a challenge and a deadline i'm much better than like a thought on my own okay so, okay so if we if we come up with that, then I will have to figure out how to make a crown out of my Porsche parts. 
Of which there are millions at this point, presumably. I've seen the photos of the yard. How do you keep track of everything? Oh, gosh. Well, I would love to tell you that I have some great computerized system. And unfortunately, that is not the case. So my late husband Uh was definitely more old school. He had everything in his head. He knew what we sold, how much we sold it for, who we sold it to, everything we had, everything where that came out. I mean, he... I used to tell him, I said, if I could put a plug in your brain, I, that would be genius. But <laughs> unfortunately, he passed. I never did make that plug. So yeah. we have millions of parts. And yard, I have yards that I don't even show to people. People see my main yard, but they don't even know we have other yards. Well, and I wanted to ask about that as well, because you've mentioned that there are multiple yards. And, and speaking with Crystal, I got the impression that there were. So when when we say that you are the queen of Porsche, you actually are the monarchy across an empire of Porsche parts around the LA area, right? It's, it's not just one yard. Well, it's not even just the LA area because another thing that I did is I would rather collaborate people than consider people competition. So anyone okay. else that is in this space selling parts, I would rather work with them than against them. That is just how I operate. I'd rather make friends and enemies. Yeah. So I work with a multiple uh, of other suppliers. Some are known, some are not known. And okay. Eventually, I'd like to get to the point where anything that anybody needs, I'll know how to source it. Now, granted, I need a whole set of employees to do that, so I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. But that is the eventual goal. Is you know, I, I'm not going to. I'm not even talking about every single person that sells something from their garage because I, I can't yeah. really track all of that. But yeah. in terms of the main people that are supplying, you know, we we work with we we sell other people's parts. They sell our parts. Yeah. Um, so it's been a really great cohesive relationship that way because, you know, everybody has to in a sense, kind of have a niche within a niche. So we're already a niche within the junkyard slash dismantling business. You know, I can fancy it up and say we're a salvage yard or, or a dismantling yard, but we're really a junkyard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but within that, then I'm, I've always been considered the late model specialist. So I've even got a 2020 in my yard. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And so we typically have, my late husband loved to stay within the eighties going forward and predominantly 911 Boxster and Cayman. Mm-hmm. I've gone back to the 70s. We've got some Cayenne parts. I don't have everything Cayenne. Um, eventually, if I could get real estate, and this is the trouble is that, you know, people always wonder, why don't you do exotics? Why don't you do this? And, well, give yeah. me some damn real Where's estate. Real estate yeah. is expensive. Probably the most expensive overhead in the entire industry. And that doesn't help a buyer when they want to spend something because there's been times that we're, we're higher priced than other people. So we try to stay in market value. Yeah. But it's it's a challenge. I mean, I literally California is not very friendly to uh, small business owners. They there's a lot yeah. of fees and things that go along with that. You know, it is what it is. Again, so I have access to and the the biggest market pretty much that Porsche has besides China. So just China's taken over really as as the leader in Porsche now, um, in terms of deliveries. And then Europe is next, but Europe is a consolidation of all of those countries. And then if yep. Los Angeles was a specific territory, we I think we're the fifth largest importer you know, in terms yeah. of, of worldwide. I mean, that is pretty incredible. So it is. And California is sort of, you, you think about a number of different factors. California could be its own country and within the top five or top 10 in many different sort of categories. Um, you just need to look at the used car market. And like, you know, I, I, I've owned four 911s. Three of them came from California originally or at least one of them was bought in the south but at least two of them have come from california you look online the used 911 market the used cayman market etc chances are you're either going to be buying a car 
you know, I would say 70% from California, 20% maybe from Florida, and then the other 10% come from New York, Texas, you know, Arizona, Phoenix. When they come to California, they have to have specific EPA regulations, which is the new side. But yeah. in terms of the youth side, you're not going to have salt on your cars. You're not going to have flooding right. typically. You know, you don't, when you have southern cars, you've got to worry about hurricanes and all kinds of other natural disasters. The rest yeah. of the country is all going to have salt on the road, eating up the bodies if they're ever driving it, you know, in any kind of inclement weather. So yeah. that's one of the benefits of California cars is that we're, you know, we're avoiding a lot of that. Um, yeah, that's true. With that being said, I, I buy cars from all over the country, you know, when I'm taking them apart. So, you know, we've, we've got them coming in from all over the place. So I've got to, I've got to ask this because I, I remember um, last year there was a famous photo, unfortunately during the civil unrest, um, where there was a I think it was a GT3 in downtown yes. LA that was burned out and and, um, and and just putting that to one side. But generally speaking, you're in the business of dismantling Porsches. You love Porsches. You drive Porsches. Most of us, you know, we're terrified if we accidentally brush our our bag against the car, you know, before we get in and drive it. And I sit <laughs> so, on the top of my roof. Yep. <laughs> there you go. But so, so you live in this world where you're passionate about the cars, you're driving the cars. You're also probably looking at photos that I might cry over and think, oh, there's an opportunity for me. <laughs> you're sort of <laughs> oh, on yeah. both sides of the fence. Do, do you ever see any, any Porsches come into your yard where, you know, of course, that's your job, that's your business, but you think, Oh man, that was a good one. That was a beauty. That was a shame. Or is is it just clinical? Is it just business to you now? Yeah, okay. Um, how do I describe? So, in, when we, when I first started, or we, I should say, we, I'm gonna have to include him. When we first sure. started, it was definitely eye opening. I mean, I'd been around his yard again, his Honda Acura side, and I remember when he first started building me Porsches. So he would be buying in these these chassis. Sometimes worse for the wear. Sometimes just stripped down. Could be like a theft recovery, something like that. And yeah. he would call me over and he'd be like, oh my God, babe, look at this car that I've got for you. And I'm like, that looks like a hunk of metal. And I didn't <laughs> get it for so long. And then he would put it together and it would be this gorgeous vehicle that I would be able to, you know, tout around yeah. the community with. And it was so much fun. And I, that's when I really started to understand it because we don't typically build cars. It's not what we do. And I've had a lot yeah. of requests too, but it's, you, you got to figure out your specialty and, and kind of do that. We might eventually add service just for local installs, but that's not something we really do right now. Um, but that's when I really understood what this hunk of metal could turn into, you know, so someone like yourself, you know, you come in and, and I call it, it's, it's I, I, I equate it with real estate. So when you're looking at real estate and you go in and you've got a, a glamorous house, someone's built, or you've got a structure that someone's been living in for 50 years and, I see through the bones in real estate. And so it's kind of like that with Porsches. Okay. You Just like yourself, you had to see with your eye, you saw the bones of the structure to know if it was recoverable and, and you could see what the beauty could be once you put your yeah. finishing touches on it. Yeah. So it takes a discriminating eye to have that understanding. So okay. that being said, over the years, I will not say that I have not become very jaded with Porsches. And walking into my yard you know there's people that have flown in from all parts of the world literally just to come in to see it and take pictures sure and it still amazes me their fascination because i've been doing it for so long but i do i think i have more of the eye of a businesswoman that's that's i, I a new car comes in and i think okay what's what's good in that who needs it what what can we do yeah. with it do we yeah. sell it as is do we strip it apart 
you know, who's asking for a front clip, who needed the engine, who, you know, that's definitely right, more right. my thought pattern than anything. Um, but I also appreciate that that was someone's, that was someone's, you know, dream car at one point. That was someone's yeah. love, their, their, their energy. And, and I could spin into all kinds of stories that we've had. We have ghosts that, that are living in our shop. And I do believe that <laughs> I, I'm not, and I'm not kidding. Every employee that's ever worked for me before they even know the stories have talked about, there is some weird stuff that happens in our place, especially when they're by themselves up on our upper floors, you know, oh, in a really? quiet spot where there shouldn't be any noise and they're hearing all kinds of things happening. So, oh, wow. And I, and I wonder if the people that had shared, you know, perished in their cars have, have been so attached to them that they literally are still attached to them. You know what? I wouldn't write it off. I just wouldn't write it off. And I've worked in enough industries for a, a long enough time to know that there are quirks and there are specific things that happen in various industries that you don't find in others. Um, and I, I must, you, you must have dozens and dozens of stories about, I mean, even things that, you know, have come into the yard that you've found in cars as you've, you know, dismantled them. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if you found stacks of cash in a trunk or, you know, <laughs> an, an exotic animal, like a snake in the trunk or who knows what. I'm sure there's all sorts of we that sort of stuff that you come things. across. I, don't, I haven't found stacks of cash or snakes, but we have found very bizarre things that, that people have left in their cars. <laughs> There's been a lot of really, really interesting stories over the years. Oh, um, I can imagine. I mean, it, when they go through the insurance companies, a lot of times they've already been stripped out. So the books mm -hmm. are sometimes gone. The, you know, the spares are gone. Yeah. Um, there's hazmat teams that have been through them sometimes if there's really been a terrible accident. Yeah. Uh, some of the cars we've been able to research and find out stories of them because it was kind of a specialty car. We've had celebrities' cars. We've had celebrities drop off parts randomly in our yard because they just no way. Like, I don't this. Oh yeah, we just have people that stop by and they don't want any recognition. They don't. Sometimes they don't even want payment for it. They just, you know, here you go. Uh, oh, that's wow. part of being in Los Angeles. Um, you were asking about so that the the car and the civil unrest, <laughs> this GT3. Yeah. One thing I found interesting is the day that it happened, our community learned about it almost immediately. So because I run so many chats and forums, it was spoken about very quickly. And what I did find interesting is that I knew people that were on the scene. So as people were fleeing these areas in Hollywood, people found it very interesting that this GT3 was going the other direction. So hmm. everyone's trying to get out and he's trying to come in. <laughs> And so that already piqued my interest because I come from a different mindset of insurance and dismantling. And I won't say what I think it is, but you can, you know, you can figure out your sure. own decisions. Sure, sure. Um, and then the car was left there um, to be taken care of by the crowd, which they did. Was, <laughs> they not only graffitied it, but they, there was, you know, it was lit on fire. It yeah. wasn't damaged terribly. Uh, there was, uh, and then obviously it was insured and, and it went through the insurance company. And then eventually I watched it go through the auctions. Uh, oh, wow. I considered purchasing it because it is still a, a feasible car to put back on the road, but it really, it was bid up so high that it was not, it was not monetarily worth me getting it. Yeah. And then it was funny because I forgot what the Instagram account that it has now tremendous amount of, of, you know, um, feedback that they've, they've gotten and i haven't seen it out too much in the community so i don't know how much they're going to kind of garage it or, or actually drive it so i'm sure i'll come okay. across it in person 
um, eventually. But um, yeah, it was definitely an interesting thing. And, and, it, and I would have kept it the way it is because I think there's beauty in art. So, mm. you know, my next, I, I've never really kept cars for long enough. I, I tend to kind of drive what's for sale and what comes in. Um, it's kind of a fluid thing, but my next car, I've, I've been wanting to wrap it and I'm trying to debate, do I, do I wrap it in some crazy kind of graffiti style or do I wrap it in a dis, like dismantled look or do I make it more of a Porsche queen, you know, aesthetic and I, and I love iridescence <laughs> for your crown. Yeah. I haven't quite figured that out, but I'd also, I don't know if I want to go with that. Cause I, I I'm not, um, I, I'm not a fan of, of, of people with arrogance and I don't ever want to feel or be looked at that way that I am arrogant because yeah. I try not to be. But so I, so that's where I can, I, I try not to call myself the Porsche queen too much except for it really ingest because yeah, I don't want someone thinking that I think that I'm some kind of queen. I'm just a person who's in this industry who loves Porsche and loves the community and loves to be out with people. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I'm no better than anyone else. You know, I'm just another person in this industry is how I consider myself. Now, so somebody owning so many Porsches, quote unquote, if you can see my air quotes this time, um, which are, you know, stacked and racked across your various yards. What do you drive? Do you have one? Do you have several? What is your daily driver or your weekend car? I usually have several. So uh, just to go through my car history, um, I started with, with Nissans. I had an NS, then I had, then I had an NSX, uh, um, yep. then I had a Z. Uh, actually, my first car was a Toyota Camry, honestly. And then he started building me 911s. I think I had yep. Acuras before that. Uh, then, he, then I had NSXs. I had... Um, I was a Bentley girl for a long time. I was a Ducati girl. My late husband was very much into exotics. So we had Lamborghinis and McLarens and Ferraris and, and Astons and yeah. pretty much everything under the sun. I mean, we, he, he would, it was such a flow. He would bring a car home and we'd drive it for a little while and then it would disappear and be sold. <laughs> and then something else yeah. would come along. Yeah. It was like <laughs> a constant. And we had a Carrera GT. We, we had some really amazing cars. We had a cup car, um, but once he passed, I wanted nothing to do with maintenance. I did not want to take mm -hmm. care of a fleet of cars. So yeah. my fleet has definitely diminished in terms of exotics. I still have my H1 Hummers, which I love to toddle around in. Okay. Um, you know, I've got to, I was, I'd probably always have at least 10 cars in my driveway. Uh, but in terms <laughs> of Porsches, so I still have his Speedball. So he had, um, if you ever want to know about it, if you look up Speedball Excellence, it was in Excellence Magazine many years ago. Okay. So it's a 964 Speedster with a 93 Turbo S engine and so many other upgrades that I don't even want to mention. Um, would be a very long list. Okay. So I haven't driven it since he passed. I, I need to kind of do a couple things to it to get on the road. And it's 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 kind of one of those intimidating because his other name for it was the Death Casket. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's a very hardy car. Um mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I've had, I always, have, I always have a 911 at my disposal right now. My, I just blew my engine actually up in the Canyon, leading a drive. So my builders got it taken apart. Okay. Uh, same with my Cayenne. I bought a Cayenne with a blown engine. So I'm building that engine. Yeah. Um, I've got a, a Boxster that I was just playing. I'd never driven a Boxster before. And so I finally um, used the, the Boxster that we had for sale. I've been kind of playing around with. 
And it's actually kind of fun. They actually are very nimble in the canyons, I have to say. I mean, I can, if I'm They're really putting pedal to metal, yeah, I, I can actually keep up with some of the GTs, you know, if I'm really pushing it. Yeah. So, but that I just, we just did a PPI on it. Somebody's buying it. I think it's shipping across country. So we have a, I have an 85 Carrera that just came in that uh, we didn't, it, we bought it with no key and then we started it up and it just, it purred, but I haven't tested hmm. it for road you know, safety. So I haven't taken that out to drive yet. And I have okay. a lot of people clamoring, clamoring to get that. So I haven't decided, you know, if I'm going to keep it or, or, you know, send it on to the community. That's always the big debate. Yeah. Um, and then I also happen to be dating a Porsche dealer who supplies me 911s all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, that's... that's being a lucky girl. <laughs> yeah. he's. I've had Panameras. I've had Tycons. I've had all kinds of 911s. Um, oh, that's funny. That's pretty awesome. much everything that that yeah, I've I've been able to play with. So, and of all the people to choose to date, you choose somebody from the, from the Porsche company from the Porsche you world. You know, it's funny because when I when I first thought about dating, I I really didn't want to stay in the Porsche community because I never wanted to get a reputation. You know, of mm-hmm. you know, I'll just say getting because I my one of my jokes is that I get around in the Porsche community, meaning I travel so much. So right. I, I love to have plays and words. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I'm I'm very grateful that I found someone that is, I, I mean, 90% of our conversations are around Porsche. I'm sure. <laughs> Still. Congratulations, though. That's fantastic. Thank now, you. Now, you mentioned, you mentioned you. the take on. Let me ask you about that. You know, I, 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 I'm sure there's maybe at least one take that's come off the road and crashed and maybe you've got hold of it. But what do you, what do you think about that electric car? It's Porsche's first, you know, sort of... Uh, dalliance in the in the ev world it completely blew my mind when i when i drove it to the point where i thought it was too fast it was just too ridiculous what did you think it was very interesting to watch all of the comments before the tycon came to market i mean people were poo-pooing that car yeah for years up to the to the point and i was lucky enough to be at the los angeles auto show i I get press passes so i was there for the introduction of it and It was impressive. It was impressive to see. It was impressive. The colors, they had this gorgeous frozen blue. It was so beautiful. Oh, I remember that. And then I, yeah. And then I got the ability to be in it. And no matter what anybody had said up to that point, and no matter what I thought about EVs, because of course everyone's like, oh, what's the point? It's, it's, you know, it's not a, it's not an analog. It's not a water. It's not a, you know, it doesn't have that, that thing. And then they're calling it a turbo and it doesn't really have a turbine engine in it and all this stuff. You get in it and you're blown away. And I've yeah. been in Tesla's before. And so I, you know, I, people have, have tried that. It, it's a whole different animal. Mm-hmm. A Tesla and a Taycan are almost not even comparable, even though they're the same market, because yeah. the way that Porsche has their luxury statement on an EV car, it, it just surpasses every other, you know, I mean, Priuses have been around forever. There's, even though it's an EV car, it's, it, it's, it, they're not even, you can't even compare it. It's, it's, it's no. they're apples and oranges, really. Yeah. It's so well made. And, and like you said, you, you put your foot on that throttle and you go. And that's without even having boost or anything in it. I mean, it, it is just, it is so almost sensitive, you know? Yeah, and it's, it is. It's just such a different, but there, it's so unique. And it, besides the fact that this is where we're going anyway. Eventually, Porsche is going to be converting almost their entire fleet. You know, 911, I think, is going last and GTs are going even laster than last. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is where we're heading. You know, yeah. I posted an article about 
an anon- autonomous Porsche, you know, a, a self-driving one that, yeah, you know, and people are, are, are going nuts over that going, what, that's like sacrilegious, you know, no, same concept. We're going to be getting there. It doesn't matter. Be and, one. and hopefully there it'll will. be, you know, I'll say driving in freeway traffic, you can go, you know, autonomous driving. And then when you actually want to go to a canyon or some other place where you want to drive, you can go back and forth. I'm going to hope that's kind of more of that, of, of where they're heading towards, not just, you know, self-driving sure. constantly all the time. Yeah. So that would be like the best of both worlds in a sense. But the Taycan then- is a very impressive car. Oh, absolutely. It's that, you know, it's it's a great way to sort of shake out the bugs, you know, and, and the fact that 9-11 will ultimately go last, I think, is is sensible and is probably extremely predictable, but they want well, to shake out all the bugs to. and perfect it. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and and let's not write off flying Porsches. I mean, there was a there was yes. a prototype flying Porsche and maybe it's 50 years, maybe it's 100 years, but there'll be autonomous flying Porsche 911s at some point, I'm sure. I hope they're the first. I really do. I mean, an article that I saw this morning is that, so VW, after they've had, you know, a couple of their, their we'll call them their crises, their diesel crisis, yeah. they are scheduled to be, to take over Tesla. That was the article that I read this morning, that they are just huh. going to come hard in this market. And so VW is the test ground for Porsche, which right. only means that Porsche is going to be able to capitalize on all of their experimentation and really utilized all of the best things that they want to take from that platform. So that's right. the beauty of having a conglomerate is that you could just share back and forth between all these different brands, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, history so far has proven that as you see the, the, the VW brand appear on all sorts of generations of Porsche, whereas you start looking at the part numbers and you start getting underneath the hood. Yeah. Especially in their SUV sectors, there's, there's things that definitely overlap, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of part numbers and things. Yeah, I was just, uh, I was in front of a, I mean, a 1957 356 a few, um, a few weeks ago, my friend Todd just outside of Chicago, and he was telling me he was taking the, um, the caps, the, the, the stone guards off the, off the front, uh, off the headlights, and they've got VW factory stamps on the, under, on <laughs> the, the underside of them. That goes all the way back to the 50s. So what, um, what exciting things have you got planned then for 2021? More of the same? You're going to see where your your social media journey takes you, and your your uh, your your groups take you. Do you have anything you're going to try and shake up? Um, more, probably more of the same, and definitely the travel is starting to open. So I've already went to DRT again in Miami, which yeah. is usually one of the. I mean, it's it's the largest Miami show. It was usually ten to fifteen thousand people. It was definitely more COVID streamlined this year, but it was a fantastic show. Um, I'm already set to go to Works Reunion in Amelia to okay. works reading in pebble beach to um i'm considering going to tale of the dragon which is your on on your side of the coast um yeah i'll be there in a few weeks oh okay yeah because it's uh gosh it's coming up see this is where i have to like kind of put the pedal i have all these things on my calendar that i want to do uh yeah. <laughs> i feel like there's other events what other things um mark who's the president of canada invited me up to a contour in canada i don't know if that one's going to be happening i was going to go to techno classica in germany but that was canceled unfortunately mm. i'm thinking about going to goodwood in i think it's september so yeah. yeah i try to i try to hit all the biggest events i mean there's so many little events all over i can't i can't get yeah. everything um, yeah. I also was approached to do, to be a, become broadcaster for racing. So oh, they fantastic. want me to cover, yeah, they want me to cover IMSA and cup racing, the Porsche specific series. Um, 
And I'm not sure if we're going to be starting this year or next year, but that would mean that I'm going to be traveling to many of the events. Not all of the races would I go to. Some will be doing them virtually. Uh, yeah. But that'll it'll it'll be really fun. But it'll it's it's going to be it's going to be adding to the schedule. So then every time I I would go to a race, I would try to hop over to some community. Yeah. To double up in a sense. Uh, so. I think uh, I, I'm sure I'm probably missing 10 events. You know, I usually have a, a <laughs> list of things that I want to do. I, I bet you there's probably 50 that are somewhere on your calendar, considering how busy you are. But, you know, I think the trick is just just continue to delegate. Put the people around you that, that help, you know, take care of the day to day and just keep growing and keep moving. Yeah, I just brought in my brother to help me manage more of the day to day stuff because I can't, you know, people are sending me parts requests constantly. And as much as I want yeah. to, I try to stay out of that, the quoting, yeah. because it's it's adding another person, you know, kind of to the loop. So um, yeah. I kind of funnel everybody back to my team so that they can take care of it. And then I take care of kind of more the, the higher level, you yeah, know, things sure. that are going on. So, yeah, it's the only way you're going to grow and continue to grow. That's fantastic. And at some point, what you were describing about, um, you know, sort of the, the the reciprocal sort of relationship you have with other suppliers in the in the uh, the LA area, um, and uh, you want to work with competition as opposed to try and take them out. In in many ways, you were describing the Amazon.com equivalent for Porsche parts. Right. Well, that's that's not even just locally; that's globally. Yeah. I, I work with people all over the world. I've I've got yeah. people in Dubai trying to sell me containers worth of parts. You know, I've got all kinds <laughs> yeah. of things going on. So. Well, Sarah, it's been an absolute treat speaking with you. Um, I, I hope you continue to try and get at least five hours sleep a night with all of your busy going on. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> and your four children. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, quick question. How many of your children are going to be Porsche drivers if they're not already? Uh, or are you turning them off Porsche and they're looking elsewhere? My 17-year-old, I've already taught her how to drive a stick shift. And my other ones have shifted from the passenger seat. So definitely I'm, I'm, you know, I, I can't guarantee which car they're going to be in. Um, I, I, I'm not the one that's going to be giving them cars. I really believe that kids need to earn their space. So yeah. they are going to have to work towards what they want. Just like I did start from the, mm -hmm. you know, start from the bottom, work your way up. Yeah. Get them a Camry. They'll, they'll get that Camry first. Yeah. Hopefully one of them want to take care of, uh, or take over my company when they get older. So there we'll see what happens. There you go. Fantastic. Well, I wish you all the very best of luck. Thank you so much for taking this time to talk with me. Thank you for, you know, for thinking of us when you got your car. Thank you for thinking of us as a, a continued supplier. Thank you for all of the support you've given. You were gracious enough to, you know, kind of have us on some of her, your YouTube things. And, and watching you grow has been great. You know, it's so exciting to see Thank someone you. that you know and, and really kind of care about, you know, to see them kind of prosper and to watch your, watch your progress. I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Of course. Well, you guys, that's it for another episode of Auto Amateur. Thank you so much to Sarah from LA Dismantler for coming on. What an absolute treat. She's just all round awesome. Entrepreneur, innovator, been in the industry for 20 years or more knows so much about cars, is such a great influencer within the Porsche community, online, in person, 
If you're in California, if you're in the Los Angeles area, go check out Sarah. She's uh, always busy with driving events and local car events. Uh, you can find her on Instagram at LA Dismantler or at Porsche Women Global or at Porsche People Global or at Porsche Parts Worldwide. And she's on Facebook and she's on other platforms, as you heard. Thank you very much, Sarah, for uh, your time in this podcast. Well, more content coming soon, of course. We've got some 997s, 991s, and 992s coming up on the Auto Amateur YouTube channel. This weekend, tune in for me and Mr. Nick Murray going head-to-head on a YouTube Live Q&A session on the Auto Amateur YouTube channel. I can't wait for that, Mr. Murray, if you're listening. I'm going to tear you apart. No, I'm going to be very nice. You're a very nice guy as well. That's about it, you guys. Hope you're well, hope you're safe and healthy. Get out and drive and enjoy your weekend. Take care. Bye.